Hi guys, hope you're all well. Hope you're all having a good week. This is Finding Yourself, the podcast series dedicated to movie, TV, sports and gaming. I'm your host, Kyle Duffy, and in today's episode, I'm very happy to have my third guest on the podcast. I have my friend Barry on today. We're going to be talking about fitness, lifestyle, sports. We're going to be getting into Man United and the situation surrounding them. We're both big Man United fans, so I can't wait to get into that. We'll also be covering our favourite movies and TV shows that we're watching at the moment. There's some TV shows that me and Barry both watch that kind of overlap, including Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Parks and Rec, and The Office. So we'll be covering some of those kind of things, as well as other shows that we're watching at the moment as well. I'm really excited about today's episode, and I hope you all enjoy it. As I've mentioned in previous episodes, I do want to have more guests on my podcast and get a wider variety of discussions going. I do have certain things lined up for future episodes. For the majority of it, I do want to have more guests on the podcast so I'm not just talking to myself and talking to the wall, you know. So yeah, I'm really excited about today's episode and future episodes I've planned. I hope you all enjoyed them. I personally am really excited about the episodes I've lined up and the guests I have slotted into these episodes. Especially today's episode, being able to talk about Man United a bit more in depth. Being able to get into my real frustrations as a fan. Barry is the perfect guest to have on for that because he too is a Man United fan. So I'd understand where I'm coming from and we can just unwrap everything that we're feeling me and barry actually talk a lot during the week on whatsapp about the state of the club we have our own little group chat talking about all that kind of stuff so i'm really excited about today's episode and again i hope you all enjoy it again i also spoke about this in previous episodes as well i don't want to pigeonhole myself with my content in this podcast i want to talk about all the things i'm passionate for which do include movies tv sports lifestyle fitness as well so again there's going to be episodes that some people may like others may not get a lot out of it but again as always i would love to hear your comments and your feedback up on anchor fm i always leave links to leave voice notes up there and voice messages for me i'd love to hear your opinion on the format of the podcast and the content and i also have a twitter kyle t duffy on twitter if you listen to this podcast up on spotify and you want to leave some feedback you can always get in contact with me up on twitter kyle t duffy on there Again, I hope you all enjoy this episode. I'm really looking forward to it. So let's kick things off. Okay, let's get into it. I have Barry in the studio right now. It's his first time on an episode. Barry, thanks for being here. We're going to be talking about sports. We're going to talk about Man United in particular. We're both Man United fans. And we'll also be talking about a bit of fitness, a bit of gym stuff. Like you all know, I have the home gym set up down in the spare room. And we're also going to be talking about a bit of movies and TV. Barry, thanks for being on the episode. Thanks for the invite, pal. Delighted to finally be, be a friend of the podcast, finally yeah. on, making the first appearance. Yeah, because I've had Emma on and I've had Chris on. I had Chris on for the Halloween episode and now I finally have yourself on as well. And like I said, I talked about different things on this podcast. I mentioned before that I don't want to pigeonhole myself with any of the topics I'm talking about. But... Like with you, there's no point in talking about movies and TV all the time because me and you are more sports. And I was saying earlier on this episode when I was introducing it that we have our own WhatsApp about the Man United situation. So I suppose we might as well get into that first. Rangnick coming in. I think this is his first game in charge, is it? He's um he's actually just in the stands for the game against Arsenal tonight, but okay. he's uh he's there. His work visa came in came through today, I think. So yeah, it was um I think it's is it Watford this week? No, it's not Watford this weekend. Um. The game this weekend against Crystal Palace. Sorry, yeah. Crystal Palace is his first game in charge this weekend. I think so. Okay. Yeah. I saw on. I've been reading up stuff, you know, because I do a bit of uh, sports for CRC FM as well, 
and I just do my research for that every week. Um, I'm going on next week, so I need to do a bit more this weekend. But I saw that he, this is his dream job, to come to the Premier League. And there's been a couple of managers speaking out that worked with him in the past, like Hassel Houghton from Southampton and Klopp, obviously. And he's had such a decorated career in terms of bringing RB Leipzig up and Hoffenheim. I think you mentioned Hoffenheim, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and this, I, I'm looking at it from perspective of Ali was never supposed to be there, in my opinion. And I think I just know that he was overtaken by the, in my opinion, the personalities in the dressing room were too big and overshadowed the manager, which is never a good thing. I know that Ferguson will never be overshadowed like that. And I want to get your opinion on it. Why do you think Ollie's career didn't work out as a manager at Man United? Um, in terms of Ollie, I just don't think he's ever going to be good enough. I think yeah. we're looking right now at probably like the best managers right now, tactically. You're looking at Klopp, you're looking at Tuchel, yeah, you're looking Klopp at Guardiola. Like, there's no one like them. They're probably the best managers of people and have the best tactical awareness in like in their field, and you could compare that yeah. across any industry, they're probably the most advanced and up there with the best managers in business and everything. Yeah, They're so advanced, and you cannot come in to compete against that with, like, elementary knowledge. You just yeah. can't. You cannot compete against yeah. that. And it's it was stupid of you know, you to expect them to be able to. Yeah, I, I looked at it simply as a PR standpoint, because there was no way, Jesus Christ, no way in fucking hell that... They looked at Skullshire as a real viable option. As oh, this is he's going to win a win us trophies. No, it was a PR stunt. They had fucked up for so long, and they thought we'll just get an old celebrated icon in to do a bit of do a bit of damage control. The fans will be happy seeing a legend in the rank of manager for a while, and they'll be idolized with that. But that is slowly. It didn't even slowly slip away. It quickly slipped away with the fact that we saw Man United struggling against teams we should never be struggling against. On paper, we look excellent. We look so good. But when it comes to the time playing on the pitch, we just look disjointed. I never saw a game under Ollie where I thought he had a real plan. And like you said, tactically, I think he was pissing in the dark. Yeah. You said Klopp <clears throat> and Tuchel. Tuchel, first season at Chelsea, won the Champions League, mm. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. And doing that, I don't even think the players thought that that would happen. But that's the difference between the level of manager between Tuchel and Skullshire and Klopp and Skullshire. Even Rodgers and Skullshire are miles apart at this stage. And, yeah, I just firmly believe that it was a PR stunt. Yeah, like what, like bringing it back to what you said at the start there, damage control. That's exactly what Ali was for me. Yeah. As a United fan who... I like, I'd like to see Mourinho go. I was calling for his head before he was gone. I was calling for Van Gaal's head before he was gone. I haven't stood by a manager as long as the board has stood by him. But it was right up until that Liverpool loss, I was right by Ollie and I was like buying into that dream. I yeah. wanted it to work. And the thing about Ollie was, United, the United board knew that they had us. They had our hearts with Ollie yeah. there because that, like, by having Ollie there, we weren't going after them. Okay, you can say the riots, we were going after them, but that was a completely different thing. With Ollie there, they had a certain amount of protection. It, it just meant that we were not going after them. Yeah. We weren't calling for the head, saying, what kind of decisions are they making? There wasn't someone in the dressing room like Mourinho calling out the club for its, no. its, where it's it was, shortfallings. It was a they yes had, man. Yeah, exactly. Yes they had a yes man there who was just yeah. going to tick the boxes, make them look good, 
and be a fall guy for three years of just not yeah. being good enough. No doubt, because to be honest, like I said, a yes man put in there in Skullshire and that stopped us from asking the questions that really mattered. Like, what the fuck are the Glazers doing with the club? I saw a video there a while ago, I think it's recent, of Joel Glazer talking about how Ronaldo came to this club when he was 16 years old and working his way up. What the fuck are you talking about? You know nothing of the history of this club. And it's a business for them. I, I told, I'm i not naive to that. For Mike Ashley, it was a business. I'm sure for other chairmen, chair people and owners, it's a business. Of course it is. You make money. You make so much money off of owning a football club. But if you're going to own a football club, you also own a lot of the hopes and dreams of the people who support that football club. Take Sunderland FC, for example. They live and breathe that club because it's the biggest generator of money, revenue and jobs in their city. They were a mining town, now they're a football town. It's taken over from the mines and the shipyards. Man United, a lot of these clubs, they live and breed for the Sunday football games and for their football matches, you know? So I just think owners need to respect that as well and not try and pull the wool over our our eyes. And I think the Glazers have been doing that for years and just trying to patch things up and saying, oh, here's a manager that used to be a player, a league legend, oh, you love him, and shut up for a while. They're just doing. They're giving us small little pieces to shut up for a couple of months, but that never works long term. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Like, what's so good about this new appointment of Ragnik is that yeah. this could be the sword that board completely die on because there's going to be no avoiding it now. Yeah. There's no. There's not going to be any Moyes and Van Gaal. We're not good enough. There can't be a Mourinho was crazy and not up to it anymore. Yeah. There's no Oli was incompetent and you know yeah. we were just standing by him. There is none. If shit goes down with Ragnik. He is going to make that club. He is going to expose that club for everything it is. Yeah. He's going to expose it for the jobs for the boys. All these people, ex-players getting re- getting employed. All these people like Mata getting contracts when they realistically have no place being a Manchester United football club. No. That he is going. If 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 they do not give this man the control that he he asks for and the power, he, he is supposed to be a power hungry guy. Whatever. He. It's. I prefer him to have the power yeah. than the people that are there. So I have no problem with that, as long as it's working. But if he gets the if he doesn't get the power he's asking for, if he doesn't, if his opinion isn't listened to, mm. this board will die and will fall on their own sword because yeah. they have they've stumbled upon the luckiest appointment. They have laid, this wasn't planned. They've stumbled upon this an absolute from what we hear a genius coming into the club. Yeah, someone that his work in RB Leipzig, obviously you said Hoffenheim, like yeah. I mentioned, and. The fact that he is so decorated amongst his peers and Klopp mentioning, oh, there's another German legend coming to the Premier League. Yeah. The fact that the big top four managers, the likes of Tuchel and Klopp, all these managers are taking notice of Rangnick means that we did, like you said, stumble. We have to fucking stumble on things, cause none, on things these days because nothing is planned with Man United anymore, for fuck's sake. It's an absolute shit show in terms of, I think, our planning and our our overall plan for the club like what is it like obviously like i said i feel like it's literally just a cash cow now there's no passion behind anything that happens in my night anymore and even with the scholarship appointment i know you said you bought into it for a while up until the liverpool game which was fucking atrocious and that five nil loss on top of the four one loss to watford was the straw that broke the camel's back i think i said in the last episode 
It was like beating a dead fucking horse. And I just feel like Glazer's never going to sell. So we need to actually... We now have a manager in a, a, pers- a prospective and upcoming... Re- uh, not redeemed, but uh, accoladed manager in our midst. So if, like you said, if he gets all the things he needs and everything is put into his plan that he deserves and needs to build this club up again because I feel like Man United is a building mission now. It is like a rebuild. It is. It is. Like we you can say, oh we have the players on the pitch to win a game. But we don't have the fucking chemistry on the pitch. We yeah. don't have a plan. It's not a rebuild in the terms of no. personal rebuilding. It's yeah. not a rebuild in terms of that. It's a rebuild in terms of okay finding our identity. We we just had a three year run at trying to become Premier League, well, in terms of the fans have, have wanted to be yeah. Premier League type ch- champions. Okay, we'll have this run with Ali. Didn't work. Yeah. Back to, f- we're, we're fourth best in the league again, at best. Yeah. That's where Definitely. we're at going into this game this week, tonight. That's where we're at. If, if the season goes goes to plan, yeah. we're for, the fourth best team. This is the start of that again. Square one, how do we get back to the top of the Premier League? Yeah. So it is a rebuild in that sense. Like, yeah, definitely. I think it's a, yeah, it's a rebuild in that sense of like, for years, a bit like, um, Wenger before he left Arsenal were just happy with and I think the board were happy with top four just get top four we're not challenging that's okay that's what Man United have become they don't care as long as they're selling shirts we could finish seventh we could finish tenth as long as, as long as we're selling out shirts in Dubai and Japan and just making money back the Glazers won't give a shit so it's about looking at the philosophy of the club and finding an identity on the pitch that makes teams worry about us again. See Ben Foster, and I respect Ben Foster, I like him as a person, but he had a lot of balls talking the shit he did on the press conference about Man United. And I suppose like he probably thought it wasn't a big deal. But the fact that players from Watford are talking about Man United like they're even not even a threat anymore is... It's true in a way, but it's sad to see as a fan as well. I don't know if you saw that press conference. I actually didn't see it. No. No, he was talking about how like um, he was talking about how like uh, there's a lot of big threats out there, um, but, uh, but there's also these teams that you would kind of grit your teeth and get through them, and I include my United in that. Yeah. Something along, something to that effect. That, 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 in my opinion, that's not the players. In, that's not the players in the pitch's fault. Like no. in this day and age. In, in the Premier League football, an identity is built by a football and philosophy, yeah. philosophy of the managers. Like, we see it even in the top teams. We see it in the mid-table teams. We see it, like, with Brighton. We see teams yeah. like that. Like, it's built off the manager's philosophy. It's yeah, not just, the players don't just go out and play. It's built off the philosophy. And that philosophy philosophy has been missing in the United boardroom. It's been missing on the sideline. Yeah. And now Ragnar coming in, for me, it's either sink or swim time. It's either he is going to yeah, all or not. He's he's going to he's going to force something to happen, and something's going to give. The United Board are going to finally give in to this thing that football is more important, more important than what that bottom line is. It's more yeah. important, and football is the catalyst for that bottom line. No it's not just top four football that's the catalyst. If we we have to keep building, we are slowly, slowly, slowly slipping down and become in being that super club. Yeah. We're not that anymore. We're not. If you're no. a kid, if you're a kid in Ireland now, you you're not you're not supporting Manchester United unless your dad does. You're not jumping to buy that United jersey. You're supporting Liverpool. You're supporting Chelsea. You're supporting City. Yeah. We're slipping down that ranking. We're not become. We're not that superpower. We are. We are. People like Ben Foster are laughing at us. Yeah. 
Yeah. We have to start become a threat and, and, and have an identity and, on yeah, the football pitch. And teams like Watford and teams that we should be mowing down and teams that should be afraid of us are not afraid of us anymore. And that is the most telling thing of all. And like you said, it isn't all the players' fault. There is there has to be some accountability for the manager. And as well as that, building like you said, building the philosophy back up. And that includes the way you look at hiring a manager. Take, for instance, Steve Bruce's appointment at Newcastle. That is the most lazy philosophy for hiring a manager I've ever seen from Mike Ashley. And Mike Ashley was one of those owners that was throwing um, band-aids on axe wounds. And the cheapest option was the option he took. And he picked journeymen managers like Steve Bruce instead of a manager players knew and fans knew could build them up again. And maybe with the appointment of the new owners, that'll change from now on. Who knows? Maybe Eddie Howe is the manager to get them out of that mess. But for a long time, I think, Man United hiring, again, I'm just going to go over again, Skullshire again, that appointment, was simply not good enough. And everyone saw through it. Oh, I think the day it happened, I was looking up on Twitter and Facebook and all these kinds of places. And there was loads of different arguments being made of like, oh, he's, he'd have the passion for it. He'd bring the passion back. And yes, he brought the passion back. And he, he did a lot of the dirty work. But anyone who saw Skullshar as anything but trying to do a bit of collateral, uh, stop the collateral damage was naive because he was never going to challenge for anything. No. Ever. Even FA Cups, I did not see us as a team that deserved anything when we were on the pitch, and that has to come down to as well. At the end of the day, like they're on the when the when they're on the pitch, the players are responsible, but the manager also needs to motivate his players and have a strong tactical awareness and plan going into each game and each season. Tuchel have Tuchel has it with Chelsea. Pep definitely has it with. Man City and Klopp obviously building Liverpool up, especially building Liverpool up, not relying on over relying on massive amounts of money to bring in great players like Man City do each season. Man United never had that with Skullshire. I just feel like, like you said, it's a yes man brought in to kind of like make the fans shut up for a while until we kick up another fuss and kind of pull the wool over our eyes for another couple of months. I mean, his team selection. His, his favorite pairing, Matt Fred in central mid. Yeah, every fucking week. That is the definition of of damage limitation. Like yeah. that is literally the definition of, yeah. of of damage limitation. That was just how can I how can I say put safe make it safe with basically playing six at the back yeah. and have four superstars up top and hope to play the right pass on the counter attack. That's all it was. It was hoping. It was moments FC. Yeah. It was it was hoping that one moment in the 80th minute. Would win us a game. Yeah. Would be would get us one one nil win away from home. That's all it was. It was okay. a joke. And thank God it's all over now. Hope we can move on. At least we'll have a football philosophy. I I I I'm, I'm pretty sure that Ragnik is going to bring at least a football philosophy, something that we can actually look at and um like have an intelligent conversation about. Yeah. We're doing this. We're doing that. We actually this is what we're trying to do. What's not working this weekend? This player isn't working in this position. We don't know. We didn't know what we were doing. What was the plan? When we got the ball with under Ali. We had no clue. We no. had no clue. It was sideways passing. It was the most backwards football I've ever seen in the Premier League. Yeah. It was ridiculous. But hopefully now, 
and it's like, change. And like you said, Ragnarok <laughs> has a bit of time to kind of set in his philosophy, but he also, I think this is part of the clause in his contract, he also has creative control over who is put into that role. Yeah, he's he gets to have, consultancy. Yeah, he, he yeah. gets to have a say in it. And having a consultant on like Ragnick will do leaps and bounds for our confidence in our young players as well because he's known for building up the youth prospects and putting the time and effort into the young players at a club. We have talented players. Yeah. There's even players like Tunzebe. Like, yeah. When he comes back into the fold, I can see him flourishing under yeah. under uh, Ragnick. Like yeah. players like that with a bit of pace, a bit of strength about them. I don't know if you remember, but Tunzebe was probably man of the match against PSG last season. Like yeah. Tunzebe is a fantastic player. Players like Amadiallo came on, was it in the Europa League semi final yes. or quarter final yeah. last year, or it was some big game in the Europa League. Got that header for us to win the game. Like these players have shown their bit and haven't even been able to get on the bench and have gone out and loan. They're talented, quick athletic yeah. players and I think they're going to flourish from Ragnick, and we have them there and there's other players as well that have bit, like, been brought up through our youth academy who haven't had their chance to really break through yet Tahit Chong uh, Angel Gomez now maybe they won't come good but at least maybe under a manager who revels in giving youth prospects a chance to kind of find their feet some may find their feet and we may get another Marcus Rashford or Mason Greenwood you know, who knows? Yeah. But this whole shite of relying on a 37-year-old Ronaldo. Yes, Ronaldo is in his body. He looks about fucking 25. And he's outworking a lot of more 25-year-olds on the pitch these days because he's, a, he's an incredible work, work ethic. And he's kept his stamina great for the age he is. He hasn't let his standards slip. And that's excellent. But one player does not make a team. We can't be relying on him every fucking game to win us, uh, win it out. Yeah. Because that's not fair on us long term. It's not fair on him. Because yeah. he's retiring at this club. He's retiring at Man United. He wants to retire with something. And to be honest, having to over rely on a player gives that player a sense of entitlement. To be honest, what's to stop Ronaldo from kicking up a fuss when Ragnick starts saying, "Listen, we're going to play." Mason Greenwood instead of you against Brighton or Newcastle or whoever. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a toxic relationship relying on one player. Yeah, but at least now, like I, I remember having a conversation a couple of weeks ago. Um, I was watching the um, I was watching one of the Champions League games in Galway, and I was like, we were, what game was it? We were two 0 down, one three two. Um, which which game was it? Fucking Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah. Yes, the Atlanta game. I was watching Galway. We were two 0 down. I was yeah, like, Ronaldo got two goals. Yeah, and, yeah. And I was just thinking. I, I don't think I can I, I, I think I can name on one hand the amount of players that have actually become better football players under Ali Gunnar Solskjaer like b- besides them going from being a 17 year old to a 19 year old like Mason Greenwood besides that yeah. like very few players have actually become better football players very few of them have become more tactically aware like very few of them yeah. that's because they're not for, Ali didn't even train them to be honest it was Carrick and um and um, McKenna, from what I from what I believe, but like yeah. these, no one was growing in that club. Players were not growing. They were no, they were the was, assets they were, and that yeah. was it. It was now at least fragment. yeah, and now at least they went through runs of form. Of course, Rashford went through fantastic runs of form. Of course, not yeah, of course, that. Of course. Bruno was fantastic. Bruno Bruno was probably at his best football when he arrived at the club. You know, yeah. do, you know do you know what I'm saying? The, yeah. There was and there, there was no relationships being built sure. where, where mm-hmm. players were coming coming out of their yeah. shell. And now we have a person there that we know is going to be. 
pulling a pair aside, teaching them X, Y, and Z, yeah. and they're going to that's that's going to flower in three, four weeks. Exactly. You no, know? Bruno, you said Bruno there. We bought Bruno because he was on form, so he just continued that at Man United. And obviously, when a player is on form and is bought up, he's going to want to continue it for the fans. And he was welcomed with open arms at Man United, and he was made the central part of that midfield. He was given everything he needed to continue that run form. And there's a difference between going on a run of form and actually progressing as a player. You can have runs of form for a couple of months, but then like fall off. It's about how you, it's about how you decide to maximize that run of form. The likes of Rooney never stopped when he was out, when he was in run of form and made that a consistent thing. So does Ronaldo. So does Messi. That's the difference between these players. And there was times there where Rashford would be on and then off. Same at Greenwood. And Bruno had his off days as well. But I do agree with you that there is no player in particular that you think, oh, has bettered themselves under Scotia. Like you can obviously say Luke Shaw, you could say Rashford, you could say Greenwood. But realistically, like Shaw was just a sleeping giant. Rashford and Greenwood are just becoming young adults. Like it's not like they've, He's he's unearthed anyone. He yeah. hasn't all this stuff about him bringing up these youth players, yeah. de- make, having so many debuts, debutants. Yeah. Like, then players play once and then don't make the yeah. bench because Matic and and, yeah. and Matic are on the bench. Yeah. You know, there's, like there's been no player. I often see these kind of videos on TikTok, you know, and they'll be like, oh, managers who created a monster. You know, Pep created a monster in Messi. You know, Alex Ferguson created a monster in Ronaldo. You can argue. But there's been no monster made at Man United by Skullshare. Like you in said, three years. Yeah, like you said, some players have just come into a run of form after being underappreciated by a manager. The likes of Luke Shaw was underappreciated. We might debate by Mourinho. Mason Greenwood has come into his own. He's come into his own in terms of his age. He's getting a bit older, a bit more wiser, more confidence on the pitch. That comes with it. Same at Rashford. Same with a few other players. But there's been no monsters made at Man United. There's no player that Watford go into a game against Man United or any fucking team go into a game against us and think we want to wash out for them except for Ronaldo. That's it. Yeah. And to be honest, I don't think we'll ever see the days that we saw. Those days are gone. And I saw a clip from ESPN and they were debating over, you know, the fall of Man United. And what do, what do you do to get back on track? Is it a manager? Do you have to get in the right manager? Is it that simple? Do you have to give the players a good talking to? Do you need to get rid of a few toxic players to... Um, do you need to get rid of a few good players who may be toxic for the club to help them progress? Or is it simply that Man United are too obsessed with their past? As a club, are we looking back at what we achieved under the great Alex Ferguson and thinking, oh, let's get back to that, when that might be impossible to get back to. I think that's really, like, I think the whole me believing in Ollie could be the guy yeah. that gets, gets us over the next 10 years, we finally built that team that are able to win three and six Premier Leagues. Me, fans like me believing in that was toxic. But okay, I, I think that's so toxic because that, that, was, that was just something for the boards would fall back. They, they, they were relying on us fans and that bit of belief, belief in the moments yeah. that something was going to happen. And now that's gone. That's why I think this Ragnarok appointment is so important because it's a man of modern football 
yeah. who isn't living on the dream of the United fans. No. He's, he's coming in and he wants us to play football that will win titles. That's what my belief is. Like that's what I believe he's here for. Like, and he's going to rebuild a club in a way that the top teams are doing it. Yeah. So, I to be honest, I don't think there's anything wrong with being obsessed and being obsessed with how successful your past was. Because like you see that in other sports, you see team like teams like the All Blacks and rugby. Like you see these teams, their obsession with winning. Their World Cup is building yeah. for two years. There's nothing wrong with being obsessed with winning. No, and obsessed with being the best. But it's just making sure that. You're not compromising in other ways to make sure that you do it in the same way that it was done before. It doesn't have to be done done by a manager that's there for the next twenty years. Yeah. No, that's not the model yeah, that works done, anymore. Yeah, it could be done over five. Yeah, because again, like you said, the model that's there is most teams have a rotating door of managers every couple of years, and the standard for what is a sackable offence is so much higher than what it was before. Again, a bad couple of games. If you, like like I mentioned, it took ages for Steve Bruce to get sacked and he probably should have been sacked way before the owners take, took over. But like you said, like you mentioned, it was toxic to believe in the hype around Scotiabank. I never actually saw it that way. But in reality, it was because every time Scotiabank fucked up or didn't deliver, let's just say didn't deliver, we couldn't really properly get mad at him because he's not just Skullshire, the manager. He's not just the manager of Man United. And, like, he's not a manager at all. Not, not, not at all. We looked at him as a player becoming a manager. Yeah. So it wasn't just, like, Skullshire, the manager of Man United. It was Skullshire, the manager of Man United, and the guy who won us the Champions League with that late goal. The guy who scored so many goals for our club when we needed him. He's, he was a workhorse for us when he was a player. And that's what kept him around for so long as well, I think. Any other manager can be sacked. For instance, Lampard, a league legend at Chelsea, got 18 months. There wasn't over-romanticizing there with Lampard. Maybe a, a bit, but why in the hell did we give Scotia three years when there was no sign of anything being won? The closest we got to a big trophy was the final against Villarreal. And we bottled that. So, yeah, I would agree with you. Like You kind of like hit the nail on the head there in terms of saying it was toxic. But I suppose, and I suppose that there is nothing bad at looking back at your successes because that's the standard you set. But you, maybe you're right in saying that that success won't be replicated with just one manager. It might be the next 20 years and maybe five different managers that get, get us there again. Yeah, and that's why they, like, that's that's why I think the appointment of Ragnick or a person like him is so important. And you hear a lot of talk now about like football directors. Like That's not talk you've ever heard of in the Ferguson era. You never heard about who the football director was. I don't even know if that was a job back then. Because No, it's, it's been... Yeah, it's creeping into yeah, a lot of clubs. Because... Now. It's 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 not the the most important thing isn't now the man standing on the line because what works changes every couple of years in football. The most important thing is how do we recognise that it isn't working and how do we change before it sours? Like how do we how do we freshen things up before it sours? How do we realise that for instance we don't have a centre midfield centre defensive midfielder in a club for nearly three seasons and how do we recognise that at board level and sign yeah. someone that's going to fix it? Like. These things aren't all management decisions. We, there, you need a board that's going to, or at least someone, a football director that's going to make the decisions 
you freshen it up, yeah. make it work before it goes sour, before it gets to where we're at now. Yeah. Is there any one manager you think could? I know we said like it's not it could like the model that's in it now. It's not just one manager that gets all this kind of history done. It's built on the backs of many different managers who come in, do the grunt work, lay the ground. You know, we've yeah. had Van Hal, we've had Mourinho, Skullshare. Is there any manager you you think could do it for us? Um, I've actually been really liking Ten Hag for Ajax. Yeah, you said that. Um, like, yeah, I've been watching. I've watched a lot of like I've watched a couple of Ajax. I, I don't. <laughs> I don't watch Dutch football. Like I don't. I don't, yeah, I don't I watch don't, the league. I don't even want to watch the English Premier League. So. Yeah, and I, I watch the. I watch a good lot of Champions League, and I've seen the way Ajax have ripped teams apart in yeah. the um in the Champions League this season. They're flying in the group stage. Like I, I, I've been so impressed by him. He's getting pretty good players to absolutely destroy teams. Like so, I don't see why not. He's he's in my opinion the next person. He's an, he's he's the manager in Europe that is next up in that big job. Like, okay. I think Pochettino has soured now. Pochettino should have gone from Spurs to United and that would have been a great appointment. That boat has passed. Yeah. I think I've, I've heard, like, a lot of talk about Mancini. Mancini won a Euros, but Mancini is also probably not going to get Italy into the next World Cup. Yeah. So, I think we need to look forward and stop looking back at these, uh, like, Mourinho-esque managers. We need oh, to look yeah. forward. We need to, like, get the diamond from the rough and get that manager in. And I think it could be someone like Ten Hag. I think personally, I'd love to see him in there. Okay, who did he actually manage in the end? Like, I, I was thinking, I was trying to figure out the last day. Who's he? He's in. He's Ajax. Ajax he's manager. Ajax. Yeah. Thinking, yeah. I couldn't think about the last day. I mentioned on the last episode. I couldn't think who he managed. Yeah, he's Ajax. Yeah. Okay, Eric Ten Hag might be. Yeah. Again, like you said, Donny would be delighted as well. <laughs> again, that's one thing to talk about as well. Donny van de Beek bought for maybe thirty-five million, has rolled the bench for most games and. Again, we talk about players not getting a run of form or finding their best feet under Skullshar or being better as a player. There's players that ruined their career. Like fucking Donny Van Beek was touted as one of the best midfielders in the world and he hasn't got a look in a man that he must be over the moon that there's a new regime now and a new manager coming in who might give him a bit of time on yeah. the fucking pitch. I, I can't wait to see him. Like, I honestly cannot wait to see him play. Him and Sancho, I think, are going to become such important parts of um, Ragnarok's United because I, I, I honestly think Donny and Fred could play that midfield very well because I just think that, like Fred's an absolute workhorse. I, I Don't get me wrong, Fred cannot pass the ball. but you get him and Donny firing together, I think it could be a really good midfield. Um... I just, just I, I, I really don't understand. I, I do understand why Ollie didn't play for um Donny. He just didn't trust him. He didn't trust himself yeah. to have Donny there. He didn't trust his own system not to have two That's, CDMs that are going to break up yeah. players as they come through and get that yellow card. Yeah. He didn't trust himself with a with a, a centre mid that's going to be able to play, that's going to trust himself with that pass. Trust himself with that pass and move. He didn't trust himself to do that. So that's why Donny didn't play. But look, it's a fresh slate for Donny, and I really think he could have a great career at United yet. I don't you, think it's over from yet. You think, you know, speaking of Donny, the Donny signing, Scorchair must have had a bit of say in that signing. My opinion, honestly, is Scorchair wanted Grealish, and they got him Donny van der Beek. That's what I honestly think happened. But I, like, at the end of the day, I think they, I think they got themselves the little, the little version of Grealish. Jack Grealish, and. But like again, like fucking, you've spent thirty five million on him. Yeah. Just try it, like, even if he's not in your immediate plans, play him in the games you think you can afford to play him in. 
like you said, Fred can't pass a ball for shit. And the Fred, I was about to say McSavage, the Fred McTominay connection, like, when is that ever, like, when have we ever seen Fred and McTominay in the midfield and be like, oh my God, we're the best midfield in the world? Like, just we, we, we have a, We literally have an arch standard to midfield. Yeah. It is ridiculous. Just, I would say, my point of view on it would have been playing in the games that you can afford to lose and you're not that bothered about to build up his confidence, then settle into the team. You know, a Caribou Cup game against Lincoln, a Caribou Cup game against Watford, these kind of nothing games. Let him find his feet so it's not a main stage you're putting him in and fucking up on. And then play him in the big games like the Arsenal's, the Chelsea's, the the, um, West Ham's, because West Ham are a top four team now at the moment. And they're on a good run of form. I just never understood why they, like, not even spent, pissed away thirty five million, yeah. and didn't even give him a looking. Yeah, I think it's just, I think it's just a, literally a straight reflection of how Ali just wasn't able, yeah, to manage a club like Manchester United. Yeah. I think that's what it was really. I don't think it was anything personal. I don't think it was how he didn't think Donny was a good player. Yeah. I just think he had no way of fitting a creative player like him into that position. Yeah. And looking at it from a business standpoint, the Glazers want to make as much money out of Man United as possible. Would you then not look at hiring an adequate manager who can not only make sure that shirt sales are going up for players, because when shirt sales are going to sell no matter what, because Man United are spoken about all over the world, they're one of the most popular teams in the world, get in players who are going to make those shirt sales rise, like, Rise like Ronaldo, like Fernandez, all those different players. But if you're winning games as well and you're winning trophies, that's more money added to everything. I never saw how they could make the decision to bring in a manager. Now, if you look at Scotia as a manager and not a league legend, who's he managed? He's managed Monday and Cardiff. Yeah, and <laughs> what happened? He got Cardiff relegated, and I have no clue what he did. It doesn't matter what he did with Monday because yeah, they're more exactly. <laughs> He has no business being a Man United manager. He has no business being a fucking Cardiff manager. This was done simply, and I've already said it, and I've said it plenty of times in this podcast, it was done to just let us relive the glory days. Every time we saw him on the touchdown, we go, oh, I remember that goal against, um, against Bayern Munich. Remember that goal against so-and-so. Like, remember watching him play he's not playing anymore why in the fuck was he on that again maybe as a backroom staff you think okay that's grand because he has passion for the club he's going to want to drive forward as a coach he never should have been a manager and like you said it was very telling with, the, with how they handled Donny van der Beek it was very telling of Scotland's manager It was very, it's very telling as the Glazers as a institute and owners that they decided to hire him. Because that just shows, for me, a complete lack of ambition and a complete lack of respect for the fans who want to see Man United great again. Yeah, I think I think for a long time the Glazers' model has been just make sure we get Champions League football. Yep. We saw that when they got Mourinho in. Um, we saw that when they fired Mourinho when he fell out of the top four. We saw that when they, when they got Ali in, he got us... Well, he, he didn't get us. He, he looked like he was able. He, he got us. What did he get us? Third, sixth, third, then yeah. fourth. He showed that he can get Champions League football. 
the Manchester the Glazers model has not been about winning titles. It has not been about winning cups. The United Bank account keeps rolling as long as we get that Champions League football. It ensures it's ensured that Adidas deal. It's got us this new team viewer deal. Yeah. It kept that Chevrolet deal going. That's what the model has been. Like I said earlier, this Ragnick appointment makes that incompatible to the United yeah. model moving forward. That's yeah. why I'm so excited and optimistic about the future because them thing two things cannot go together. This this Ragnick appointment is either going to make me like f- literally despise the Glazers with every yeah. bone in my body, or it's going to make me completely and utterly give them a second chance and refall in love with this yeah. club. Yeah. So that's that's yeah. what it is. It's, it's literally an ultimatum. For make me, or like. break. Yeah. It's make or break. And I hope to God that Ragnick's time with us changes the views held at the club and changes the priorities. Because again, it is. It's going to take a shift in priorities to restructure our club and rethink what we want. Again, like you said, the standard has been top four. Why the fuck is the standard top four? Our standard should be let's try and win the fucking league. Because that's what you get when you value the monetary aspect of the club over the performance. And I think for a lot of fans, they can understand why... The, man- the managers, not the managers, but the owners wouldn't just put everything in place so we can win games, win trophies, because that's what's going to propel a club forward. But again, these days, it's all business. Exactly. And it's all about how it's performing overseas, how our shirt sales, how we're performing on the stock market, all that kind of jazz. And if it's grand and that everything is performing well, the Glaciers won't give a fuck that we're not winning trophies that we have, that we missed out on a Europa League final that we missed out on an FA Cup trophy they won't care about that so hopefully this will make our club and not break it I am staying cautiously optimistic I'm not holding my breath on it I think you might be a bit more optimistic than I am I think you think I'm just kind of guessing here but I think maybe you think they have to let this happen or they have to give Ragnick I just think if they don't allow this to happen, it could destroy the brand. Like I, I, I think yeah. they've backed themselves into a corner here. I said like I, they basically won a lottery with a ticket they didn't even buy here yeah. getting Ragnick. I think they've backed themselves into a corner. They're forced into a decision, but I really think it could propel this this club yeah. so far forward back to where we know it can be. Yeah. Like back win just winning trophies. Just winning trophies. That's all we want as the United yeah. fan base. Just win on some trophies. Yeah. Because again, like you said, we're not respected at the moment. I think I mentioned it too. It's kind of one of those things where we're still a big club. We're seen as a big club by other teams. But when it comes to performing against us, we're not the intimidating club we used to be. And it's almost like we're flirting with that line. Yeah. And I think we need to just jump on one side instead of having one full foot in the pool and one out. And again, like you said, they need to stand by this decision now with Ragnick and let him do his thing because, again, the alternative is losing the brand and the image that Man United have as a a top prospect club. So hopefully Ragnick is given the opportunity and is given time to do what he wants to do and whoever replaces him permanently is given the resources to make Man United great, great again because I just want to watch a game and be entertained. I just want to watch a game and know that the players are doing some yeah. sort of tactics and have a plan. 
You know, yeah. like you said, just be entertained. Yeah. Fast attacking football. Yeah. That's what we want to see. But. And have confidence in their abilities because there's not one... I know, like you say, on paper, it's all great. Pogba, Rashford, Ronaldo. You have all these players who individually, you can see them as top-class, world-class players. But I don't trust fucking anyone on that pitch to get us across the line. Even when we're, we're, when we're ahead in the game, I'm thinking, okay, how is someone going to fuck this up? Harry Maguire, I have no clue how we were hoodwinked into thinking that lad was worth 85 million. And I think Leicester must be just sitting back and laughing at us now because they have another player in James Madison who eventually will go for another 85, maybe 90 million down the line because that's the way football's going. But there's not one player that I trust fully in that team. I trust Ronaldo to get a pop in the goals where he can because that's what he does. He's a goal merchant. But the best striker in the world right now is arguably Mohamed Salah. He can do no wrong. He's slotting goals in for fun. He scored two against Everton this week. And he made it look easy. And he came out on top against Ronaldo when they bet us 5-0. So I just don't... I just want them to kind of reshape so we're not relying on 37-year-olds. So that we're not... So that we're building for the future and not relying on the past, if you get me. 100%. Yeah. But yeah, that's... I think hopefully moving forward, the I think we're both staying cautiously optimistic about it. Fingers crossed. I know there's a Man United game on tonight. I was like, what? Uh, it's a quarter past eight. Quarter past eight, I think. Eight. Yeah, I Arsenal. And we're lying, what, we're lying fifth, sixth? I think we're sitting tenth now, the, the, oh, the games the last two nights. Yeah. If we lose tonight, we're not falling up close. We're, we're five points off Arsenal. Well, there was two, there was games the last two nights, so that's yeah. why we're sitting tenth. But we lose tonight, we're eight points behind Arsenal. Okay. Just let that sink in. Eight points behind Arsenal. And Arsenal, st- was it this season that Arsenal started and they were like, just talks relegation? Was it this season? I'm pretty sure that was yeah. the season. They've yeah. gone on a sick run of form. Like, yeah. so. And again, like, I think everyone was taking the piss out of Arsenal to begin with at the start of the season because, you know, all their line 17th or line 16th, Jesus Christ, this could be the season to get relegated. Ahead is really going to get thrown out the, out the door after yeah, this. Yeah, they started the season with a loss to Brentford. Like, yeah, you know, they, Brentford, they, were 2-0. Look, they were looking ugly. Like, yeah. 2-0. But again, this is the time of the season where everything starts to take shape and Arsenal have gone a run of form, they have turned things around. I don't know if Arteta will stay or go. I don't know if this is the start of something good for Arteta there, but again, this is his first run as a manager, and he was never going to get things right straight away. Again, you can give everyone, you can give a manager like that all the opportunities and all the players he needs, but he's still learning as he goes. He's still learning on his feet. So I think it was always going to be hit or miss with Arteta from the get-go. But again, not, I wouldn't say club legend because he was at Everton and he wasn't brought up at that club, but a player that they have fondness for in Arteta. And he was the right-hand man to Pep Guardiola for a while and he has done great things at City. But, yeah, hopefully we get the results there and hopefully Rangnick is able to um, to see a few good things on the sideline and in the stands and we'll have a better idea of who he wants to start and what his plan of attack would be as a manager for the rest of the season I hopefully well not hopefully I am staying cautiously optimistic for the rest of the season I think if we get top 4 it will be a miracle we're not going to challenge for anything I don't what's your I, I, I think top 4 is I'm going to say a minimum requirement but if we don't get that I still think Ragnick's job continues into the sort of oh, yeah. when we get the right man in like, no doubt my minimum 
expectation this year now with him coming in, with the talent we have, and with him being able to apply. Like, we, we have a great run of games now. We, like, I was looking at it the last day. We have a great run of games right up to the city. In, I'm pretty sure the, right until end of February, start of March, we've got a great run of games. Yeah. So once he, he, he's a chance to implement what he wants to implement, we have to get top four. Yeah. For Manchester United, he's coming in at the first week in December. He has to get top four. It's not that bad. Yeah. If they left it any longer, it will be, but it's not that bad. Let's see a bit of a Champions League run. We're going to finish top fair group. Fingers crossed we get a nice draw. Let's just get a bit of a Champions League run, see where we can get to in that. How long have we been waiting for a Champions League run as a United team, yeah. as a United fan base? So that's right. I'd so love long. to see um, a cup run. I'm not going to say he has to win a cup, but the silverware would be lovely. Yeah, okay. Um, again, like I said, everything needs to be put in front of him. So I think... Hopefully, fingers crossed. As a United, as a United fan, I'm cautiously optimistic. If you're a fan and you've been following the Ragnarok appointment, I'd love to know your opinion up on Anchor FM. You can always leave me a message up on the episode, let me know your opinion. Love to hear what you think. I want to kind of move on into another area now. I was talking a bit about the home gym that me and Leanne have been setting up downstairs. We got the elliptical set up yesterday, last night. Nice, went, kind of went, went on it for couple of minutes and almost fell off it <laughs> but um i think i got it i knew i can't i can't ride a bike because of the because of my left leg i need a strap so i think i might get a strap to put oh, yeah. on the left one and um, but i think the elliptical is going to help us help me shed a couple of pounds because i've been trying to get back into working out and it's not the best time to start during christmas especially the start of christmas because you eat like shit you drink practice every day like i know i'm going to be doing a lot of damage over christmas eve christmas day and new year's we're hosting new year's this year so there's plenty of drink consumed here but i think i have a plan of attack going into the new year well, that's one way of looking at it start like oh i like oh, i won't start in december because it's going to be pretty bad i'm going to start yeah. in january but if you start in december the starting place where you yeah. start from in january isn't bad. The, the place you start, the, the if, if you're working out for December and the, and you start in January, the place you're going to be starting from is as if Christmas never happened. Yeah, I suppose so, so. And I think for December, I'm not, I've made mistakes in the past of, uh, you don't probably get this because you're so disciplined. By the way, Barry, for anyone that does not, why would you know? Barry is a rugby player. You're a rugby player and you're built like a shipwreck house. <laughs> Like you'd want to see this lad, he has fucking <laughs> arms for days. Like, he could put me through the wall. I don't know if, I, is it, if anyone has seen those NFL <laughs> tryouts. Have you seen that NFL tryout? NFL where, pick me. Yeah, yeah, the NFL pick me's where a guy puts his hand through some, uh, like um, puts his hand through a drywall and catches the ball. I'm pretty sure Barry could rip down a door if he was angry. Um, but yeah, so you have no problem being disciplined. I've seen you pick water for dinner so i don't think you know <laughs> but like again like you're the perfect person to talk about this because you've obviously worked to kind of like make that your routine and i don't know i i, I assume you i assume you enjoy it because yeah like, like i was in, gym, in the gym this morning and i didn't enjoy myself for a second off it. yeah there was not a smile on my face for a second off it. yeah i wanted to go into the house and make a cup of tea and stay yeah. at work i did not want to be there but I know that when that's done, in my mind, like... You're going to feel 10 times better. Exactly. And yeah. it, like, I, I, I feel like, there's, like everyone has things in their life that they have to like get through 
to feel better. Like for some people, it might be finishing a book. For some people, it might be getting their college stuff done. It might be yeah. staying that extra hour and work. And for me, the anchor has always been working out. Like I, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. Like if it was running, if it was training for sport, if it's going into the gym, like that's kind of my anchor for my day. Like it's it just always has been. And yeah. it's not like it's not it's not it's never really something that's for improving the aesthetic of my body. Like it hasn't been that well, for years think, since I, I was a teenager. Really, it's more about. Yeah. Like for my mind. Mentally, yeah. yeah. I think I was about to say, um, I didn't want to interrupt you there. I think for you, it's a great coping mechanism and it's a great, it's one of the more healthy coping mechanisms anyone can have. But again, I think you're very, you have a plan of attack for each day. You like to be organized. And that's one thing that's very militant about you and very disciplined about you. You like to know what your day looks like. And you're a very you're an early. We were talking about this last night. You you're an early morning man. You love your mornings, mm. and I think you do what a lot of people who are disciplined do, which is take advantage of every hour of the day. Mm. And I think you know you know what your morning looks like tomorrow, don't you? You probably do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I like that because it could it get. It, well, it, I, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Yeah. But yeah, like I respect it. It's, if, it if it's ten o'clock in the day tomorrow, yeah. and if I get a phone call, something happened. I've still done all the things I need to yeah. do that day. Yeah. Like, I, if I if I get up and I have a good breakfast and you know get some training in or whatever, like no matter what, that box is ticked for the day. I don't have to think about rearrange. If something comes up, I don't have to rearrange it. Yeah. You know, and that's why it just it just works for me. Do you yeah. know, it just works I'm not, for me. Yeah, like I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't poking fun at you. No, I, was, no. I was, I was saying out of respect. Like that's, I think, and a lot of people are like that. You know, it's one of those things where I think. What I'm trying to say is it's a great coping mechanism, but also it's part of your routine. So it's it's almost like getting up and like part of my routine is always going downstairs, cleaning up a bit and planning. Like I plan, part of my routine is just planning out my day as well. Mm. So like everyone has their own different routines. Yours just so happens to incorporate the gym every, every, how, how, how many times you go to the gym? I, like I don't, I only gym about three to four times a week. But okay. Other trainings, like I might be running yeah. or I might, you know. Yeah. And again, like you incorporate that because again, you are big into your sports, you're big into your rugby, and that's would you have started the gym in because of the rugby or would Yeah, you... no, I did. I started I think I started gym in when I was maybe TY, so what's that, like fifteen, sixteen? Yeah. So summer going into TY is probably the time I started gym in. And like back then it was just about oh grow, 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 yeah. grow. But, as um, as every fifteen, sixteen year old. Yeah, you mature through it and yeah. like, you know, you you, you you, it, it changes what yeah. it, 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 it remains something in your life yeah. like in it, but it changes what what, what yeah. you're trying to achieve by going yeah, in there exactly. you know? because I think at some stage you realise that oh getting up at this hour every morning and going in and doing this as a routine I'm not just helping my body I'm helping my mind yeah it's an anchor for your day I find yeah. like, it really is no, it's something no I would recommend people to try like just try it for a couple of weeks yeah. two or three days a week you don't want to do it every morning You'll enjoy your sleeping so much more when yeah. you do it. It's it's not for everyone, but it's definitely for more people than do yeah. it, if that makes sense. Oh, definitely, because yeah. I think I've gone into times where I've been very diligent and motivated with my workouts and my diet. Um, <clears throat> last, I think it was last lockdown, I lost 10 pounds. Yeah, you're looking good, man. Just to answer the compliments now. <laughs> um, no, um, that's a little plug. I look great. Um but yeah, like I went into a kind of like 
a very diligent mode of like, okay, I'm looking at my food. I did the calorie counting for ages. And then I, I was working out. I was going, I, I, not working out in terms of like lifting or anything like that, but just doing my cardio, getting my 10,000 steps in each day with the, with the stepper and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And, you know, you feel good because it feels like, okay, I've done something today. I've, yeah. I've fulfilled not a purpose, but I've, I've set a goal for myself every day and I'm reaching it. And that gives you a sense of achievement. And then along with that, your body starts to feel better. For me, working out is making sure that my body feels good. I don't give a fuck about anything else. Because like, I have other things that help me stay sharp and happy mentally. Yeah. Again, I'm a very social person. So lockdown was really shit for me. So like being able to do the podcast again and have guests on yourself and Chris and all these other people I'm able to have on and planning to have people on, it's great for me because that's what helps me mentally. And workout is working out is a part of that, but it's more mostly making sure that I look after my body. Because I think I'm coming to that stage where I'm going into my thirties and I don't want I want to lay some groundwork to make sure that I'm not looking at, you know, having problems in my 40s or something like that i know it's yeah. a long way off but you know you always have to make sure that you help yourself when you can yeah so that it, there's no problems down the line and i'm different for you in the fact that like i don't have a sport that i'm rigorously involved in that keeps me motivated to do it but again i think i am i'm always of the respect of okay i've got i motivated myself to do it for this reason and most of the reason for me is okay i feel shitty today I'll, I'll go and do a workout and then once I work out I get the, I, I, you get an endorphin rush, mm. rush basically and I think for December like I mentioned just going back to December again my plan of attack is just laying the groundwork of like eating and my diet because it's 80% diet 20% workout to be honest Yeah. and making sure that I'm getting my portion control under, under control as well I'm very good at portion controlling when I want to and calorie counting. Um, I'll have to find the um, the Fitbit to do the calorie counting, but I might do the portion control up until then. But if I get my food under control for December and have a plan of attack for working out in January because I don't want to go hell for leather on the working out mm. and pull something because I've made that mistake in the past. Mm. Is there any overall tips or hints? They give to someone trying to get back working out, like myself or anyone listening. I I just I just think like the kind of fitness industry is very much like it's so motivated around how you look and like yeah. oh Christmas coming up or New Year you gotta lose them pounds or like you know what I'm saying. Yeah, it's, it's it's very much like it's oh, so oh not, not oh, do you want really, to look like the Rock or do you want yeah. to look like it's 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 like five minutes of motivation stuff like yeah. and when that song's over you're still in the gym and you don't want to lift those weights yeah. so like I think you gotta just find why you want to do it really because like. There's a reason you're working out. There's a reason you're telling yourself you have to train. You got to go. There's a reason you're telling yourself you got to train three times this week yeah. and it gets to Thursday and you've done one. Like, do you know, there's, yeah. there's a reason why that happens. And like, you're telling yourself one reason and then you're forgetting that as the week goes. So just really focus on one. If I was to give one piece of advice on how to like get consistent with training is one. Okay, I'm going to give two pieces of advice. Well, okay. Give as many as you want. Don't bite off more than you can chew. Okay. No point. You got to build yourself up to what you can do. Um, and then I'd say to have a why, have a have a reason why you're doing this. Okay. If that's if that's for health reasons in my forties and fifties, if that's for a sport, if that's 
to impress someone like if it's for someone in your life it's for whatever or for, even if it's for yourself yeah, like and, if you want to stuff like a fucking ripped animal yeah but just have a why and like if it's whatever it is just like keep like repeat it to yourself in yeah. your head because it, it'll yeah. be you'll forget it and it'll be gone yeah. you're gonna have to sit down with yourself again in a yeah. couple of weeks time and remind yourself why you want to train and yeah. you want to be back to square one again like that's a, the second like again both great pieces of advice definitely I think a lot of people make that mistake of giving into that motivation like again like people have spurts of motivation to get in shape and get ripped and like they want to have those washboard abs that like that it's constantly being shoved down your throat media is constantly telling like every form of media is saying oh you need to look a certain way to be happy do you want abs like the rock do you want to look like this person you need to work out like this and people who get that motivation to work out under those, under that guide and under that reason, like you said, that motivation lasts for 30 minutes. They go and do a workout. They overdo it, pull something, strain something. The next morning they pay for it and they're like, oh, okay, I'm not going to work out for the mm. next two months. That's happened to me several times when I was working out when I was younger. And that's a great motivational tip is to, like you said, look at the reason that uh, that's the anchor that keeps you going to the gym, even when you don't want to do it. Because that, if you're able to think of something that gets you off your ass at a six o'clock at night to go to the gym and to make sure that you make it a part of your routine and your schedule, then that's a reason to keep in your head and to repeat yourself almost like a mantra. Yeah. And one, one thing I would say as well is don't be afraid to like get a coach. Like There's a lot of things that we spend 30, 40 quid a month on that are pissing away money for the sake of three or four months of getting a coach where that like I'm, I'm working with a coach right now over in England like just because I want to push my training to the next yeah. level for rugby or whatever I'm just working with one with him on a three-month basis yeah. and my training has gone to a next level and it's yeah. not because he's teaching me anything I don't know it's because I'm answer but I'm I, I'm I'm accountable to someone I yeah. have to fill in this or else yeah he's like and I'm not doing the work yeah. So once you once you know what you want, I'd say I I, I I definitely don't think it's a bad thing to shop around and get a good coach that like you'd be happy with for three or four months. Like it just makes you and it helps you build good routine for when you come off that program, you're able to keep okay. up those those principles yeah. and routines. I think people need that as well. I certainly need someone to be accountable to for the workouts. That's why I could never last long on my own. If I was doing it on my own, there's no one to push me, there's no one to motivate me. And like you said, don't be afraid to go out and get a coach. When I went to the gym, I think a couple of weeks, not a couple of weeks ago, where am I after? I think two or three years ago, I did a trial, or I did a year's membership at, where the fuck was it? I think it was Rock Lana. No, Brafie, I Brafie, think. Brafie, yeah. Brafie, Brafie, Brafie Gym. I know you better than you know you. Yeah, <laughs> or you just know the gym's better than you. <laughs> no, yeah, I went to Brafie Gym for a year and I signed up with a coach and now again, I didn't take advantage of it, but uh, when I did go, I was accountable to someone. And I think I would have lasted the full year and really got into it if I had a partner to motivate me through it. But at the time, I had no one to go to the gym with. There was a couple of lads that, um, that lived around me that were gone, you know, to they had like moved away and stuff like that. So the motivation went for me because I hate going on my own. Because mm -hmm. when you go on your own and you're new, you always see the lads who are there for a good while and they're like laughing at you. You hate that though, but they're probably not. And if they are, they're absolutely Oh, no, no, no. I know one dickhead laughing. Yeah, let them laugh. Some fucking cunt. 
laughed at me when I tried to pay, do weights. And like I, if I mentioned this on the podcast before, I can only use one hand. My right hand, thank God, is my my um, strong hand, but it's also my natural right hand. I didn't know what you want to say. It's your what hand there. I was, right I, I'm shutting up. I'm not saying anything. Not that kind of podcast. <laughs> That's a different episode. Um, but no, yeah. So I went up to do like a normal weight workout like I would do at home. I didn't go heavy because I'm not stupid. Like, And I think a lot of people like lift for vanity yeah. in the gym and they're trying to lift because they see people looking at them and they're like, okay, I better go. I normally do 10s, but I'll go for 40s this time. It'll be fine. But I was just doing like bicep curls and I could see some fella off the corner with his friend and he was laughing and he was like whispering. I was like, okay, well, I'm going back on the treadmill. I obviously don't belong here. <laughs> but um, no, it's like it's, there's, always, there's always one contact. But that's why I think after I stopped using that membership and I kind of pissed away a year's membership, I never joined up again. But what I did do was I improved my home space and made my home space a place I could work out. That's why I got the treadmill. I got the elliptical. I have adjustable weights. Yeah, so it's I a can, nice space. I so I can work out my way. Like, we're going to get gym mats for that place as well so we don't dent the fuck out of the floor. And we're possibly going to get, like, weight machines as well. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to touch on the gym stuff a bit because as a, as a guy who's, like, you've been working out since you were 15, you're, like, why, you're 22 now? You're somewhere between 25 and 30. I'm off by that. Sometimes I forget I'm 28. Because like, I, this year, the birthday, I was like, am I 27 or 28? Or 23. Because yeah, like, after you turn 21, no birthday is significant. Yeah, yeah. Like, I felt 23. So this hour in, yeah. Yeah, I've caught myself tripping on 23 yeah. a couple of times this year. I'm yeah. like, whoa, what's yeah. up? Like, this did not happen. Yeah. I, I do not even remember having a 21st. Yeah. Like, I, I don't eat, like, it's, yeah. it's happened I, so I quickly. I looked back on pictures to remember my 21st. Because I was like, where did I have it? Was it I in so the apartment? Quickly. Was I in my home house? And to be honest, I started dating my when I was 23. I'm 28 now. I don't, I didn't feel those years go. Mm. And, but yeah. Besides the point, I think we've given people a bit of food for thought. Like, again, like if you have any questions up on Anchor FM, I want to get Barry back on for future episodes. If you have any questions for him as a gym rat, because um, that's what you a gym rat, um, and rugby player as well, um, you can leave questions up on Anchor FM or anything you want to share about your gym routine. Any piece of motivation for me would be great as well, because, again, like I said, I'm looking to get back into that motivational state of mind in terms of working on my food and my workouts so anything uh, any machines that you think could fit into the home gym pretty well give me a heads up on anchor fm as well anything else you want to mention i kind of i had a structure for this podcast but i don't want to pigeonhole you either and i know it's the first time you're doing it so you may not want to talk about something that isn't in the structure, but anything else? I'm easy. I'm, I'm, I'm easy. Dude, that's not I, helpful either. I mean, you've something to but I go. Like, I know it's my podcast, but I can't do all the work there. Um, um, we, no, we, we covered a few good bases yeah. there. We, we gave I, out about Ollie. We, yeah, we, yeah. we, we piped up right And again, in. I don't want to put any pressure on you to think of anything on the spot. What I do want to end on is a bit of movie and TV, which yeah. I always do on this podcast. I had mentioned in the intro to this um, podcast episode that we kind of share a few different, not movies, TV shows. Yeah. 
in common because of your connection to him. Uh, again, for anyone listening, Barry's not only my friend, but he's my sister's boyfriend. Um, but yeah, you and Emma would watch uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine, Parks mm-hmm. and Rec. Big on the Office. Big on the Office, yeah. Yeah. And I think I talked to you about a few different things we could discuss, but I suppose it's best to look at what we both know mm. instead of me being like, oh, have you seen this? Or like, and instead of us like kind of... You know me, I don't remember actors' names, but I enjoy, I don't even remember I, what I, movies I've watched, but I enjoy I, the I, movie. I don't, I don't need to remember the yeah. name. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking about like what I discuss, um, discuss, like again, like I talk a lot about this shit on um, CRC FM, I do reviews up there, but I suppose we can talk, I want to maybe touch on Brooklyn Nine-Nine mm. and The Office a bit. Yeah, I talked about Brooklyn Nine and the prospect of season eight finishing up. I got Emma's whole opinion on Brooklyn Nine. We did a whole episode episode dedicated to it. What are your thoughts on the series ending? And I know this is a comfort show for you. Yeah, like Brooklyn Nine has been like the since I watched it first and second time around. It's become like the show that I literally fall asleep to yeah. every night for three or four years up until recently. Like it's been a massive part. It's been a mass like I I I've watched Brooklyn Nine so many times. I know exactly what's happening with my eyes I was watching it. Like, it's yeah. crazy. But um, it's been such a good comfort show. But I'm, I'm not sad that it's finishing up. I think it's time for it to finish up. I, th- I, I, I think... Eight seasons is a long I, time. I, I, yeah, I do think as it's as it's switched over, off, it, it, it switched from... It went to, an NBC, you know, oh, went to NBC and now it's at ABC or something Yeah, it's definitely changed. Anyway, and I think it's lost a bit of its magic, to be honest. Okay. Right? I do. Um, I don't... Yeah, I kind of felt like season seven, I was kind of going through the motions and... I felt like season seven, I started episode one and then it was done. Yeah. Because there wasn't enough to chew on. Yeah. Like I think we, everything has happened that needs to happen. I think the dynamic was just perfect. And once characters started leaving, it was done. Like once Gina was gone. Yeah, Gina had, me, was Gina so in important. real life had a baby in real life and she had to go for that. And then she also left because she creatively was done on the show. Yeah. And it was great that even though characters are leaving and actors are leaving, it's not because of something bad that's happening. No, it's 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 coming to a natural end, and yeah. that's fine. I'm okay with what it is. I loved the show. Yeah, I'll always watch it. I'll always go back to it as my comfort show. Yeah. But I'm not sad it's ending, and I'm I'm I'm, yeah. I'm not itching for another season to come out. No, because again, like I said, eight seasons is a long time to be on TV, and for most sitcoms, they last maybe standard is six to nine seasons. We think of the likes of Friends, Community as a show got six seasons. And even then, they were pushing it like community similar to Brooklyn Nine Nine went through areas where they were cancelled, they were brought up, they were bought out by a new studio. Eventually, Yahoo, the search engine. Uh, yeah, community is not a great show, but yeah. I didn't know that about it. Yeah, Yahoo had a streaming service and they bought that show after season five to finish off season six. At that stage, Chevy Chase had been fired because of clashings he had with Dan Harmon, the creator there. And they brought in different, a few different actors in to kind of keep it an entertaining show. But uh, by that stage, it kind of transformed into something that was totally different than the starting product. Mm. But I do agree that Brooklyn Nine-Nine has run its course. It's just about ending it the right way. Yeah. And I don't know what the plan is to end the season. I'm assuming they're going to have to end it in a way that tugs at the heartstrings, but doesn't make you too sad that it's ending. I know a lot of um, shows, they want to end on the right right note, and some hit the mark, others miss. The likes of How I Met Your Mother really missed the mark with the way they ended their show. 
the ninth season of How I Met Your Mother in particular, the full nine, the full couple episodes of the ninth season only focused on the wedding between Barney and Robin. And in the last two episodes, yeah. tell you about how the mother dies. It's so horrible as an ending. But hopefully Brooklyn Nine-Nine finish it off the right way. Yeah, I, I, I think Brooklyn Nine-Nine have had a couple of deep moments of the show, like like big hair-hitting moments. Yeah. Like, they've, had a, they've had a few, but they're, it's not their thing. No. Like, happy, and happy Ever After is their thing. Like, happy, yeah. you know, Happy Laughs and Jokes is their thing. Yeah, they keep it light. Yeah, and I, I think if they were to try and make it an iconic ending, they will absolutely butcher it. Yeah. So I think they, they got to keep it light. They got to keep us satisfied, just happy. Yeah. And like, I think anyone that expects anything more is just looking for yeah. too much. Yeah. I think the only character that you could see giving a genuine heartfelt goodbye is Captain Holt. Yeah. Because simply because like he's a robotic character, but he's also very heartfelt at times. Yeah. And there like has been one instance I'm thinking of is when he had to when he was fired from the precinct that one time, and he was yeah. like, he broke character, and he was saying, like, this has been the best couple of months of my life. And then Jake's like, this is new, what's happening? <laughs> but, yeah, they've written that show so well, and the characters are so memorable. Jake Peralta, Andy Samberg has just, not transformed his career with this, but he's always had a very illustrious career. He's been on SNL. He's had a movie with the, his band, The Lonely Island. He's done very well for himself, but this show is only adding to his CV Must as well. Yeah. And yeah, I suppose fans would be looking for too much if they wanted a storybook ending. And that doesn't really go with the show either. Speaking of shows we have in common, we'll talk about what we already said there, The Office. You're going to kill me, Kyle. I've watched The Office probably double figure times and I refuse to finish the show. I, I don't blame it. you for that. I haven't watched the last I... four episodes ever. Oh, you've gotten that far. Okay, yeah. I would have thought. Now, okay, spoilers. Anyone who hasn't finished the office, I know what happens. Yeah, but I don't want to see. It, it, I don't, it, I don't want it to ever end for okay. me. I love Spo- it that much. That that's relatable though. Spoilers if you haven't watched the office. But if you haven't watched the office, it's your own fucking fault anyway. So <laughs> if you haven't seen the office, go watch it. And get off this podcast and watch it. No, no, finish the podcast, <laughs> but just go watch it after. All right. I want those views. Like comment and share. <laughs> <laughs> Watch this full episode and then watch the office. No, um, no, yeah, I totally agree with you. I think you know, season seven, Steve Carell left the show, and from what it sounds like, he didn't want to leave. It was like they it's contractual. It was contractual. Thing, it was like, it? okay, we have to let you go mm-hmm. because you know, and it was a lot of pilot, like it was con- contractual, like you said, maybe a bit of pilot, political thing, kind of thing, like that. But he wanted to stay because. He had made his bread and butter there. It was such a good work environment for him and everyone involved because a lot of those characters, a lot of those actors playing those characters were unknowns. Mm-hmm. Steve Carell didn't get big until season three. Mm-hmm. He had his breakout movie, The 40-Year-Old Virgin, during season three, three of that show. So there was no big egos in that show. Everyone got on great. It was a family. And I just thought when he left that show, I was like, this show's not going to be the same ever again. And in a way, it wasn't because... They had a route, not routine. They had a period of time where they brought in loads of guest stars to guest stars the manager. Yeah. So they Will Ferrell for the time. I thought, okay, Will Ferrell is a great comedic actor, but he's not fit to show. There's no way he's staying in for this long. No. He lasts three episodes. Then. Yeah. 
dying in a basketball hoop. Yeah, and again, Will, Spoiler. Ferrell, <laughs> Will Ferrell is one of those actors he's constantly the man. He's making new movies all the time, so there's no way he was in for a long-term role. They had James Spader in from Blacklist and a bunch of other stuff. He's a very talented actor, but again, he was a very dark character in the show, and he had serial killer vibes in it as well. Yeah. They had Ed, Helm, Ed Helms play the, who was already on the show as Andy. Andy became the manager, but then they turned Andy into a complete dickhead and asshole. Kyle, this is basically the United situation since Ferguson left. I mean, <laughs> they just ruined a character for us. A beloved character, and they ruined it. But yeah, what was your thoughts on the whole. Oh, I, 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 I just think the office is so. Like, I think the. I think, like, when you watch shows like Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Parks and Rec and you see The Office, you see that, like, so much of the basis of their jokes is based off jokes that already happened in The Office. Yeah. There's so much osmosis coming through of yeah. their jokes structured in a slightly different way based off the same topics. And then that's when you realise how good the comedy in The Office is. No doubt. It is so good and the delivery is so much better than anything that's come after it. it, is yeah. so, it, it for me, it's, it's absolutely brilliant. I mean, just last night I was watching it. Um, what scene came on? It was the scene where Phyllis got flashed. Oh, so I scene. died. I died laughing at it. Like, Michael puts his finger down his pants. Yeah. Toby walks into the room, puts it down like a boner kid. Like, oh. it is absolute gold. It is yeah. gold. And, uh, yeah, this, it's never going to get old for me. This, I hope. Show, this show, again, like, like you said, it'll never get old for you. I don't think it'll ever get old for me. And it's kind of been kept alive by the fans. Because the passion is there with the fans. Like you said, you the way you talk about it, you can tell you're a fan. And I think, like, I watch it. I've seen it all the way through. I'm trying to get Leanne to watch it all the way through. It's been sinful that I haven't made her sit down and just binge watch it. But Lee and Chris have watched all the way through, so is Emma. So I need to get Leanne to watch it. But, yeah, there's so many iconic moments and iconic characters. Like, Steve Carell has just literally... Caught lightning, lightning in a bottle with Michael Scott. And Dwight is such an iconic character too. Rain Wilson might only be remembered for this role, but it's a pretty fucking good role to be remembered by. John Krasinski has got a turn in Hollywood. He's made a couple of good movies with The Quiet Place, and he's kind of like got into that really great shape and kind of made himself into a bit of an action star as well with 13 Soldiers. And... There's other actors who have kind of moved on from The Office, but I think everyone who worked on it looks back on it very fondly, which is a great thing about yeah, the show. Yeah, you've got the podcast with... Um, yeah, The Office Lady. Yeah, yeah. like, you know, it's, yeah. it's still going. They're even, they're even still living on it. Yeah. Never mind us. Like, so. Yeah, and like, it's a great thing to live off of because imagine like living off of, off of a show and just remembering back on how much it changed your life. Like... John Krasinski was a waiter before he got that gig. That's crazy. He was one. He was going to go home the weekend before he got the role. He had a call with his mom an hour before he got that part and said, oh, I'm going to come home. I've been here two years. It's not happening. She goes, wait another weekend. Wait one more week. And if you feel it's not going to happen, come home. An hour later, he got a call saying he was on the office. That's crazy. And he, he went from waiting tables to now directing movies, which is insane. And I think that was the great thing about this show as well. 
it made careers. Yeah, it, did. it didn't further careers, it made careers yeah. for a lot of these people, which is great to see as well. And even when they hit hurdles in the show, they were cancelled at one stage, they were brought back, like after season two. And once they kind of got out of the prototype of the UK office, they made it their own. And a lot of people now prefer the US version over the UK version. I certainly do. I know I, I love Ricky Gervais, but I take Michael Scott over David Brent any day. Jesus, yeah. yeah. But yeah, overall, like this show has made a mark on society overall. It's I think such a good show. Like, yeah. that's it for me. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I like it's, it's 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 fantastic. It's so good. There's no no character doesn't grow throughout the show. No character doesn't yeah. become a better character than they were in season one. Yeah. So and you go through stages of loving and hating different characters. Mm. I know with Angela, you hate her for most of it, and then you kind of see a more vulnerable side to her. Yeah. She has a divorce from the senator. She kind of strikes up that relationship again with Dwight, and you see them live happily ever after. That makes you like Angela a lot more because you learn to love Dwight as a character and you want to see him happy. And that comes with Angela, accepting Angela as well. Andy, I touched on Andy a bit there about how he has a turn as a character yeah. once he becomes a manager. What was your take on that? I don't know who, who first off, who's your favorite character in the show? <clears throat> Oh, Michael Scott, hands down. Yeah, Michael Scott. My, like Michael is just the great. Like for me, yeah. one of the greatest I think characters a lot of I've ever seen. Like to say, yeah, Michael yeah. Scott. He's brilliant. Like Andy is so annoying. He's so annoying. I find yeah. I find Ed Helms annoying in everything he does. Yeah. but he's and so I good. He is so good at being annoying. Like he is so good at it, and he's so important. Like every office has that person. Yeah. So he's so needed for the dynamic. Yeah. Um. He's annoying, but I also had do have a bit of soft spot for him. Emma hates him. Emma, Emma absolutely Emma hates him. Hates, Emma hates him as a person. Emma has the ick from like. Emma hates Ed, Ed Helms. If she saw Ed Helms on a, like on Great Lawrence, she wouldn't. She'd turn it off. Yeah. I don't know what her aversion to him is, but I think it doesn't have to do with acting. I think it's just one of yeah. <laughs> but I think it's like actors who you don't like just from the look of them, but. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people would think Michael Scott. My favorite character, I think, has to be Michael Scott oh. as well. Either Michael Scott or Dwight. Yeah, Simply because Dwight has so many good moments. Yeah. But the, the dynamic between Jim and Dwight in the show is so good because you can see there's like a. There's a it starts off with like, oh, this guy is an alien to me and he's annoying. Jim just kind of annoys Dwight to kind of keep himself busy. But then you see like. They almost have a brotherhood at the end. Yeah, there's a line of humanity that like they don't cross. Yeah. Names of them will cross. They're yeah. rivals, but there's a line they don't cross, yeah. which makes them not they're not enemies because yeah. of that line. So yeah, exactly. and it's magic, it keeps going yeah. and they, they tinker with that line the whole way through the yeah. show, which is what makes it so good. Yeah, and there's one thing about the character Dwight that I really loved that they did. There was nothing that kind of made you think that Dwight was going to become best friends with Pat. He becomes best friends with Pam. Yeah. And that only furthers his friendship with Jim. Even yeah. though, like, there's one line in it, I think it's in season seven, where he's rocking the baby to sleep. And, and Jim and Pam couldn't get her to sleep at all. And Dwight is able to do it. And she, uh, Pam is like, can you just hold her for a while? Uh, no, I have to go somewhere. Um, yeah, but like we're best friends. Like, yeah, but you married my enemy. <laughs> uh, I know I'm proud of yeah. that. I couldn't help that. And, oh, and, and Jim just comes back and we're not enemies. Like, like we've had a few good times. No, we're enemies. <laughs> but 
I just don't like you said. There's a line they won't cross, so it's never it's never malicious. Mm. It's always a playful rivalry, and they struck that perfectly in the writing of the show. You never felt uncomfortable with the with the dynamic they presented. You never the felt show. like one of them was bullying the other person, no, which was no, so hard no. to do with the shit they no. did to each other. Yeah, exactly, and I think that's all into how they write the character as well. Dwight is awkward and weird, but he's not a man-child. He's a grown man mm. who's just a bit off-putting. Like, so he can handle everything Jim has to throw at him. And Jim, even though he's a prankster, he's a serious adult in other ways too. And a good guy as yeah. well. Yeah, so I feel like they write characters the perfect way in the show. There are a few like standby characters that like near the end that you think, okay, why did they introduce them? You know the two young guys they introduce? Later on in like season eight, yeah, Clark and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what's if, his name? if you know the name of the characters, we're talking about Clark and another fella, and they're kind of young blood characters. Like they come in as young salesmen, and one of them has a relationship with Aaron near the end yeah. when Aaron breaks up with Andy, and I just feel like they were grasping for storylines. Yeah, lengthening the storylines. Yeah, all and right, it, yeah. they probably thought we can't be focusing on certain characters all the time. Yeah. Because that's not realistic. But Who was the Scrum Strangler? Okay. Good man, Barrett. Okay, we'll put this out and I, I want to hear up on Anchor FM if anyone has watched show. In your opinion, who's the Scrum Strangler? I think a lot of people would think it's Toby. It is definitely Toby. Yeah. Think about all the The evidence is there. All of the frustrations he has being the nobody at work, being the butt of every joke Michael Scott. Michael Scott actually hates him. He plants what he thinks is marijuana in his locker. But it's really, it's really fucking Caesar salad. <laughs> it's like romaine salad or something like that. When he's leaving to go to Costa Rica, he cannot wait for him to go. He gets in an hour early to do like cartwheels because Toby's leaving. And Toby must be so frustrated overall by being shunned by the office he works in. He's in love with Pam that they kind of explore and it's an unrequited love because he knows that she'll never love him back. And his trip to, where was it, Peru? Costa Rica. His trip to Costa Rica, his moving to Costa Rica, it coincides with her falling in love with Jim and that relationship starting up. Yeah. And like, there's a lot of people out there that think that like he tried to commit suicide in Costa Rica. Oh, and that, that was him in the hospital. Yeah, and that was just the thing that on his, on his second day out there, he had a bungee jump accident or whatever. Like, there's a lot of stuff out there. And as well as that, the car that was in the chase... Is the same car. Is, it was in the car park in earlier episodes. Yeah, I saw some of them. Um, he wasn't in the car park. He wasn't... He, sorry, he wasn't in the office when the chase was yeah. happening. His phone rings. Someone picks it up and puts it back down. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff happening that, like, really points to it. I just think, I think they left a lot of clues yeah. for us to, to expect it to be Creed. And or most... expect, Sorry, expect, expect, expect it to be Toby, not Yeah. Creed. The one... Well, we've got to speak about Creed a bit after this. <laughs> the one thing that is the most telling is when the Scranton Strangler trial is on, he calls to be a juror on it. He talks about it multiple times in episodes and seasons. But then, near the end of season eight, at start of season nine... He starts talking about how the Scranton Strangler was wrongfully, wrongfully convicted. Yeah. And he goes to jail to visit him yeah. and he petitions to get him released. Is that remorse and 
him trying to be basically say he's not the right guy because I'm the guy. Wasn't there something so your man hurt Toby when he went to visit him in prison as well, didn't he? Yeah, he stranded him. Yeah, so like yeah. probably Toby confessed to him. Yeah. Like, so, like the fact that yeah. what, the fact that it's, I'm sorry you took the show has been shown behind the camera. Yeah. Like the fact that it's from a, a, a um well, how how do you what's the word for those kind of shows? Like, um, oh mockumentary? Yes, like the fact that it's a mockumentary. We're supposed to miss out on yeah. things. We're supposed to miss. We're, stuff. we're we're not looking for the hard hitting evidence of Toby be, Toby being a serial killer. We're looking at oh, the pranks between Jim and yeah. White. We're looking at like Kevin being an idiot. Yeah. Um. So yeah, there is great Easter eggs hidden in this show. Like in every great show, there's great Easter eggs. On to Creed. My favorite episode, my favorite moment of Creed is when he comes in for a Halloween party. And it's after the new guys start. One guy goes, oh, I didn't know you dressed up for Halloween here. Cree comes in with blood on his... He has blood all over his shirt. <laughs> like, he all over Halloween. He goes, oh, neither did I. And then it cuts to it cuts to Creed in a um, headshot where like they, they do talking... It's called talking heads. They do a talking heads at the camera. And he goes, it's Halloween. That lines up pretty good, really convenient, and that's the best moment in my eyes of Creed Bratton. And it was so cool that the Creed Bratton is his real name. Creed, yeah, yeah. Creed Bratton it was he was a, guitar, a guitarist in a band called The Roots. Yeah, he's playing. He's playing in. I'm pretty sure he was like down to be playing in Galway, like in like a few weeks gone by or in a couple of yeah. weeks time. Someone was telling me that like he is he is literally playing in the Roshi Dove in Galway in yeah. a couple of weeks. He used his real name in this and it's so funny because there is like there's a episode where someone comes in and it's like an insurance salesman or whatever and he goes oh i think i know you um and he goes no you don't and he was like creed creed bratton and he goes no no and like he's basically saying like that like oh you i i, I pronounced your death like i i wrote your obituary and it's so funny like I just think what they did with the Creed Bratton car- character, you weren't expecting it, but oh. you loved every minute of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Overall, this show, can't recommend it enough, obviously. We both have binge-watched the show to a point, I think I hear the dog outside the door. <laughs> um, we have our dog, or not our dog, our uh, parents, uh, my parents' dog is outside the door. Uh, she came up with Barry and Emma. This show, overall, so good. Loved every minute of it. I need to binge watch it again because it's just so enjoyable. I, I hate watching random episodes with Leanne because I want to watch it from the start. But for me, season one, it's, it doesn't get good in season one. Season one, they're finding their feet. And I hate the whole storyline with Roy and Pam. Yeah. It's so awkward to me because it's obviously like an abusive relationship near enough. And... You hate Roy as a character. Jim is in that awkward stage where he's trying to confess his love to Pam, but he doesn't want to ruin anything. And I think, it for me, it gets so good season four. Yeah. Because Jim and Pam get together. Meredith gets hit by a car, and that starts everything. Season, season one, two, three. Like, two and three are class seasons. Yeah. But once it gets to season four, it hits magic, and it just yeah. hits a flow for three seasons yeah. there, and it gets yeah. unbelievable. The most awkward episode probably ever is the house party episode. Yeah, but... But again, probably one of the best written yeah. episodes they've had. So good. Yeah. And 
overall such a great show to watch so definitely recommended to watch up i think the whole series is up on netflix now yeah, it is, yeah. and i think if you can't see it up there it's definitely up on amazon prime i believe and other places like now tv overall really enjoyed this episode thanks for being on barry no problem thanks for having me again if you have any questions up on anchor fm if you um want to leave any comments or anything like that i always leave a um, little link to the episodes leave a voice message up there Again, you can always find my podcast, Finding Yourself, up on Anchor FM and Spotify. And I also have a YouTube channel of the Finding Yourself podcast, where I release, I put up clips of every um, episode up there. I hope you enjoyed this episode. This has been Finding Yourself with Kyle Duffy. Thanks for listening.